Acts chapter 5, we're going to start reading in verse 27. When they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest asked them, saying, Did not we straightly command you that you should not teach in this name? And behold, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine, and intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Then Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom ye slew and hanged on a tree. Him hath God exalted with His right hand to be a prince and a savior, for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are His witnesses of these things. And so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey Him. Then stood there up one in the council. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped a verse there, verse 33. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart and took counsel to slay them. Then stood there up one in the council, a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a doctor of the law, had in reputation among all the people and commanded to put the apostles forth a little space and said unto them, Ye men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what ye intend to do as touching these men. For before these days <clears throat> rose up Theudas, boasting himself to be somebody to whom a number of men, about 400, joined themselves who was slain and all as many as obeyed him were scattered and brought to naught. After this man rose up Judas of Galilee in the days of the taxing and drew away much people after him. He also perished, and all, even as many as obeyed him, were dispersed. And now I say unto you, refrain from these men and let them alone. For if this counsel or this work be of men it will come to naught. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest happily you be found even to fight against God. And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Y'all, that's what I want to talk to you about today. You see these men here and the women were brought before all sorts of authorities and commanded not to preach Jesus. They beat them and told them again, don't teach anything in His name. It said they left there rejoicing. It said they ceased not. So I want to ask you a very simple question this morning. What's stopping you? What's stopping you? What's holding you back from, from sharing about your Savior, Jesus Christ? 
You see, that these men were threatened with their very lives. And they didn't stop. So what did it take? What was the, the thing that just pushed you over the top to make you say, you know what, it's not worth it. I'm just going to keep my mouth shut. What's stopping you, man? Because it must be awesome, right? It must be some really big thing that the enemy has brought against you to make you so afraid that you would shut your mouth. Something greater than death. It must be great, right? Unfortunately, it's even less today. It really doesn't take much for us to shut our mouth. All it takes today is complacency. All it takes today is for us to just be so comfortable and happy with what we have that, that we just don't do anything. You see, these men and women left their rejoicing that they had the honor and privilege to suffer such a thing because of His name. It is an honor for them to be beaten for the name of Jesus. You know why it was an honor? You know why they held that in such high regard? Because they knew they were doing His work. They knew something was working because the enemy was coming against them. Yet we want to go to God and pray and, and seek deliverance from every little thing that comes upon us instead of looking at it like, well, maybe it's because we're doing the right thing. I, I happen to think that most of us know we're not doing the right thing. That's why we ask for help, because we know we're not where we're supposed to be. What's stopping you from witnessing? These guys were willing to go through whatever it took. All for one purpose. To spread the gospel. To let people know there was a reason to have hope. To let people know there was a way to be saved. And all that other stuff they had been taught in the past was, was fruitless. They weren't only willing to do whatever it took. They took every opportunity to do so. You look at Peter here. Peter's standing and being accused. Listen to this now. Imagine yourself standing in a courtroom accused of some crime. How do we react to that? Well, number one thing we're going to do is get us a defense attorney, right? We're going to try to do anything we can to get out of it. And, and if, if that means we've got to plead guilty to a lesser charge and get off with some community service, praise God for making a way that we don't have to spend time in jail. Right? But y'all, I want you to understand these men were being accused of a just action. Right? God had commissioned them to do these things and there they were standing before the officials of that day and they were accusing them. And what did Peter do in the midst of those accusations? Did he buckle and say, I don't know what y'all are talking about. Jesus who? No. He threw it right back at him. He said, you're the one that killed him. You're the one that put him on that tree and hanged him on there. It's His blood on your hands. He wasn't ashamed. He wasn't afraid. What would you have done? 
would that have stopped you? Would that have shut you up? Wouldn't they beat you? Would you say, I don't want to do that again? Or would it have spurred you on like it did them? You see, the, the Scripture we just read didn't say they stopped for a couple of weeks and then went back to it. It said they ceased not. You go ahead and do what you want to. I'm not going to stop. Right? Y'all, we need to get that kind of spirit that they had in us. As of this moment, we're not yet facing a whole lot of opposition in this country, but it's growing every day. There very well may become a time in our lifetime that we have to stand before a judge because we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. What are you going to do then? You see, we got it good now. We can do what we want to just about. I can go stand on the street corner today and preach Jesus if I want to. That's the wonderful thing about this country. But y'all, all it takes is one time for me to say something against the homosexuality and all of a sudden I'm brought up on charges for hate crimes. You see, that tells you something about the state this country's in. And y'all, I'm not here on a political agenda today, but what I want you to understand is if you're not going to stand for Him now, when will you? What does it take to wake up the church? What does it take to wake up the body of Christ in this day and age of blessed gifts from the Holy Ghost and spiritual uh, assurance of good things when you are overflowing with abundance? What does it take for you to praise the name of Jesus? Where do you have to be taken to before you are willing to take a stand for His name, church? What is stopping you? What is that great wall that is in your path that's stopping you from witnessing about who He is? And if I hear one more person say, I don't know what to say, I want to just come and bop somebody on the back of the head. If you don't know by now what to say, you have had your ears shut most of your life. I'm here to tell you, just tell somebody about the witness you have. What have you seen God do? That's all you've got to say. Tell them how good He's been to you. Y'all, I could talk for days about the blessings God has given me without ever cracking a Bible, without quoting one single verse. So don't use that as an excuse. Get some boldness. What's stopping you from praying for others, huh? Y'all, we have about the most ineffective Christians today I've ever seen in my short 39 years on this earth. And you know why we're ineffective? We don't pray. We don't pray. Oh, we'll pray for our needs. And we'll be sure to ask somebody else to pray for our needs. Turn over to James chapter 5.
Y'all, if I'm ruffling your feathers today, praise the Lord. We all need a little shaking every now and then, a little wake-up call to remind us how far we have slipped. To remind us where we ought to be. To put things into perspective for us. James chapter 5, verse 13. Y'all, this is how we ought to be. Now, I want you to pay real close attention to these words. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he hath committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. He prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Y'all, I'm telling you, there is a lack of prayer for one another in the church today. What is stopping us from praying for each other? Oh, we we make our little prayer request here at the church, and y'all, that's wonderful. I ain't trying to take away from it at all. But how many times, and you answer this in your heart just as honestly as you can, how many times has somebody done you wrong and you said, I ain't praying for them? How many times have you seen somebody hurting in your church body and you know it was because of sin in their life and instead of lifting them up in prayer, you tore them down in gossip? How many times? How many times did you see a brother and sister in Christ ostracized from the body because they didn't do something the way they should have? Y'all, look, I've all, we've all got faults and failures. If I was judged by the faults and failures in my life, there is no possible way I could stand up here before you today. But praise God, I'm redeemed. I'm a new creation. And I'm not bound to my sin anymore. I've been set free. Why in the world should I think that's not the same thing for another brother or sister? You know what? They may have just royally messed up. All the more reason I should be praying. All the more reason I ought to go to them and let them know I'm praying for them. It shouldn't be my wish and my desire that they just leave the church quietly and there's not a big stink raised about it. That shouldn't be my desire. My desire should be restoration and being made whole. Divorce rate over 50% in the church today. Why? Because people ain't praying. Y'all, there was a time when, when somebody started talking divorce that people come around them and begin to lift them up and say, No. You're not getting divorced. We're going to fight for this thing. We're going to make things right. And we're going to do whatever it takes to see that this thing survives. You know why they did that? Number one, because the Word just told us that's what we're supposed to do. 
But number two, because people valued marriage. They put a high value on, on their fellow brothers and sisters and the joy of marriage. But now what we do, oh yeah, I heard so-and-so over there. Yeah, they've been sleeping around. and I, I can't believe they even came to church today. What did you do this week? You see, I ain't going to have everybody stand up here and list out their sins they had this week. But the last time I checked, the Word tells me that if I even look on a woman with lust in my heart, it's the same thing as adultery. It says if I have anger against my brother, it's the same thing as murder. Do you understand me today? So where has your heart been this week? And you're going to hold it against another brother? Another sister, to the point that you say, I ain't going to pray. What stops us from caring for others? What stops us from forgiving? I've asked myself those questions, y'all. And you know that caring for others is something I work hard at, (laughs) y'all. I have to because it's not my nature. Y'all, I'm just being as open and honest I can right now before you. It's not my nature, okay? I know it's God's nature. And I know that's what I need, right? So I have to work hard at that. It's suppressing my flesh and allowing the Spirit to work. So what stops me for caring for others? Y'all, it's myself. Because I care too much about myself sometimes. Do you hear me today? I get so wrapped up in, in what I want and what I want to do and, and the things I have going on that I ain't got time to care for other people. Y'all ever said that? I ain't got time right now. I'm just too busy. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault... Y'all ever been overtaken in a fault... Ye which are spiritual, who's spiritual? Let's raise your hands. I believe I am. I, man, that's what I'm, right? I have a new life, a spiritual life, right? Amen. A new creation. So ye which are spiritual, I think all of us ought to be able to say, that's me. Restore such in one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. You know, that verse right there will preach pretty good by itself. But let's go ahead and read verse 2. It says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. So we all have known people that have been overtaken by fault. But y'all, we don't finish out verse 1 very often. I'm going to tell you right now. 
We are terrible. Y'all, I ain't trying to just make anybody feel down today, but I, I want it to be drove in home. I want you to hear these words and, and let them burn in your heart. We are terrible. Because we see that brother or that sister overtaken in a fault and we condemn them. Instead of doing what it says, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Why? Because it very well may be you next week. You better watch out because it probably will be when you start to think more of yourself than you ought to. Haughty spirit. And verse 2 says, bear each other's burdens. Y'all, I'm going to tell you right now, there's times in my life when my heart just cried out for somebody to come and help me. I ain't talking about help me on some project or help me to do this or that. I'm talking about just, I need somebody to just help me. My spirit is low and I need somebody to lift me up. Y'all, we ought to know one another to the extent that we know when our brother or our sister is hurting. We ought to be involved in their life enough that they feel okay to talk with us about it. How in the world are you going to show that you care to anybody if you don't even know them? I bet there's people in here today. Y'all, I have been pastor of this church for over six years, and I guarantee you there's people in here today that still struggle with whose who's name. Oh, that's uh, brother uh, so-and-so. Uh, no, that's not him. That's this one. Why is that? Y'all, that's pathetic. I'm just going to call it what it is. It's pathetic. We call ourselves the body of Christ. We call ourselves brothers and sisters. We don't even know each other. How in the world can I be concerned about somebody I don't know when it's all I can do? Y'all, we need a heart transplant, don't we? But you know what we try to do? We try to hang on to our old heart because we feel like if we give up too much of it, we're going to lose our identity. We need to lose our identity. The Word tells us that if a man tries to save his life, he's going to lose it. We need to give up that old man. I don't want to be that guy anymore. There's a reason why I made Jesus my Lord and Savior because I didn't want to continue where I was going. Y'all, I recognize that my flesh is nasty. I recognize that. I don't want to be identified as Him. I've got a new name. I've got a new name. I need to be making sure that everybody knows that. What's stopping you today? I want you to ask yourself that question and ask it all week if you need to. What is stopping you? Is it just yourself? Are you scared? It's okay. I understand fear. But y'all, if you're scared, it's because you have not believed the Word, you have not heard it, or you haven't held on to it.
This Word tells you some things. First it says, we do not have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Secondly, it tells us that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Thirdly, it tells us if God be for us, who then can be against us? Y'all, I'm trying to remind you of some things this morning. You have no reason to fear. If you are afraid, it's because you have ignored what God has called you to do. Sometimes we use those things as justification for getting away with not doing what God's calling us to. But I'm telling y'all right now, you can run from Him if you want to. You're hurting yourself. Don't run from the Lord. Don't ignore Him. You wonder why you have a lack, a spiritual lack in your life? It's because you've ignored Him. You've put Him on the back burner. You said, my salvation was enough. I don't need anything else, God. Y'all ever notice after you examine things in different light, sometimes they just seem silly? That's one of them right there. Why in the world? I mean, really. What kind of reasoning brings you to a point where you say to yourself, salvation's all I need. I don't need anything else from God. you're missing out I'm telling you today you're missing out see the rest of this stuff in this world is meaningless God put stuff here for us to enjoy but y'all at the end of the day it's meaningless it's fruitless if we are not using what we have for the kingdom of God there is nothing coming out of it it's fruitless it's fruitless 